I was 28 when I quit my job, left home, and went to live in Honduras in Central America. Now, I think uh, Yorkshire is the greatest place in the world, but Honduras isn't far behind. I was a missionary, and we did all kinds of stuff out there, like uh, medical clinics in the jungle, work in maximum security prisons, street evangelism when none of us spoke the language. They used to call me El Grande Gringo, which means a big fat white guy. I've got a mirror, I know. We saw dozens of people give their lives to Jesus, hundreds healed. And it was one of those spirit experiences that utterly changes your life in the best possible way. But you know, I very nearly didn't make it there. The problem was the money, isn't it always? I didn't have any, and it was three and a half grand to go. I was stacking shelves in Asda, and it seemed impossible. But the money came in. Someone stuck an envelope with 50 quid in it through the door. Then another came. Then another. I'd come home from work, and there'd be envelopes and checks piled up in front of the door. And there's a bit in the Bible that says you can't outrun the blessings of God. And for a very short time, I was living that. There's no way rationally I should have been able to go, but thanks to the irrational generosity of people that I knew and loads that I didn't, I got there. And those people changed my life in the best possible way. But I don't think I'm the only one that's ever experienced that kind of generosity. I'd like to imagine we've all had times in our lives when people have been generous to us. That kind of generosity that's utterly transformative. It almost seems like people are made by God to be generous. And so many of the stories that we hear are of people's lives being transformed by generosity, whether that's through Roof or Alpha or Student Beeson Projects or your hubs. Generosity is the thing that runs through everything that we do because people are made by God to be generous. But I'll be honest with you, generosity is the kind of word just after Christmas, where I can hear it and think, and ah, no, what's this going to cost me? Or, you know, someone else is after me money. And we can be a bit jaded, particularly this time of year. But the kind of generosity that God's designed you for, it doesn't have to cost you a penny. All of you can be generous because God has been generous to you first. God has blessed each of you with something to be generous with. That could be your time, your encouragement, your home, your expertise. God blesses us to bless other people, and each of us has been blessed with something by God that we can be generous with because we are made by God to be generous. And the early church was defined by this kind of generosity. Acts 4.32 tells us, all the believers were of one heart and one mind. No one claimed their possessions as their own but shared everything they had. And their generosity made sure that no one went without. But can we say the same? It sounds brilliant, but I know I'm not living that way. And I don't know if any of us could say that we are. Sometimes, whether we'd admit it or not, we can miss the mark when it comes to generosity. We're made by God to be generous, but sometimes we can get distracted by life or things can happen or we forget the things that God blesses us with. And we, step by step... We go from living this generous life that God has called us into, living in this calling, living in these blessings that God has given us, to this place where 
generosity becomes something that's kind of tacked onto the side of our life. Generosity is what we're made for because God was first generous to us, but all too often it can be something that's nice to do occasionally rather than something that radically redefines who we are and why we live. Each of us is blessed in some way to be radically generous to others. But are we looking for how we can use those blessings? How can we be generous with what God's given us? I'll give you an example, right? Um, I've been dreading us moving to Burnham because I love Ipwin Aikham, which is the other side of York. And on a good day, it can take me 90 minutes to get back. Uh, I've got a dodgy left knee from an assault from years ago. And sometimes I can't move my leg. So that 90 minutes can sometimes be more like three or four hours. And it got to the point where uh, I had to ask for help. I didn't want to because, you know, bloke, but I had to. And because of the generosity of people here, I've never had to risk that commute again. People didn't have to help me, but they were generous with what God has blessed them with. And it maybe only seems like a small thing, but that small thing has had a huge impact on me. And it's given me a lot more freedom. And that kind of generosity, the kind that the early church had at its heart, it's a lifestyle rather than a one-off choice. Living a generous life is what happens when we connect with a God who is generous with us first. It's who we're designed to be. Sometimes, it, but sometimes there's a conflict between the generosities that God is going to call you into and how we want to live our lives. I don't think anyone would ever say that living a generous lifestyle is a bad idea. But our lives can be such a, a mess of conflicting priorities and expectations and demands. The, the kind of generosity the early church had, if we're honest, sometimes it seems like an unrealistic ideal. People are made by God to be generous. But knowing what we're called to and walking that out can be two very different things. But you know, true generosity isn't about what you give. It's about how you live. And the good news, I guess, is that we aren't the only people to face that conflict in how to live that life of generosity. The only reason the early church was so good at it is because they faced the same struggles that we have. Turn with me in your Bible, if you've got one, to Philippians 2. And we'll see how the early church reconciled that conflict. Give you a bit of context. Uh, it's written by the Apostle Paul, who's in prison to the church of Philippi, which is in the south of Greece. And he's writing to them at a time where the church is facing persecution. And what Paul is trying to show the Philippians is that when they connect with a generous God, then they are generous with their time and with their lives. Generosity comes out of a relationship. And Paul starts in verse 2, showing the source of that generosity is God. And he uses the word if. If you have encouragement, if you have comfort from his love, if you share in the spirit, then we have love. And generosity is the natural outworking of that love. So Paul doesn't doubt the faith of the church in Philippi because he knows them but he's trying to remind them what the natural result of their faith should be. And it's the same for us. If we follow Jesus, then generosity is something that comes out of that relationship with God. 
just like the Philippians, because we have encouragement in Christ, because we have comfort in his love, because we share in God's spirit, then we have love. And that's why we are generous. God pours his love into our hearts by the Holy Spirit. And that lets us be truly generous. So what Paul is showing us is that because God is the source of generosity, we need to recognize what we've received. Because once we recognize what God has given us, then we can give that away to other people. But you can't give something if you don't know you have it. So do you know what God has blessed you with? One verse that Christians use a lot is John 3.16, which says, uh, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, Whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. We've all heard that. And if you've been around the church a while, it seems like we almost use that without thinking. But consider what it really means. God so loved the world that he gave. He didn't take. He gave his only son. God loved the world, and generosity is the practical expression of that love. It's how we practically show the love of God to a world that's ever increasingly in need of it. Generosity is just something that we do. It's who we're designed to be. You don't have to force it. It's just the way you're wired if you follow God. And in verse 5, Paul says, Have this attitude in yourself, which was also in Christ Jesus. And by saying that, what Paul is saying is that Jesus is our standard for living generously. And if you look at Jesus in the Bible, he healed, he fed, he taught, he loved. And when we're generous, we do the same thing. We give out of that same motive because we're doing it with a love for others. So being generous really means looking at Jesus and doing what he did. Paul shows us how Jesus lived that life of generosity. And it's what he wanted the church in Philippi to do. In verse 6, he tells us that Jesus existed in the form of God, which means that he was God, he is God, and he deserves to be worshipped. And yet Paul tells us that Jesus did not regard equality with God as a thing to be grasped. In other words, even though Jesus deserved to be worshipped because he was God, that wasn't the thing that Jesus thought was most important. Jesus had other priorities. He, he didn't make himself important, he made others important. And I wonder, are we living the same way? What are our priorities? Maybe this calling to generosity means that we need to put aside the things that we think are important and pray for God to give us new priorities, priorities that serve and bless others. Paul says in verse 7 that Jesus emptied himself. And when he uses that phrase, emptying himself, he means Jesus literally poured himself out, made himself nothing, got rid of his significance, and he did that by becoming a servant. Jesus came as a servant, not as the Lord. Even though he was and is God, he gave himself for others, even though all of creation should give itself to him. He was God, living out a life serving us. Because true generosity isn't about what you give, it's about how you live. And Paul gives an illustration of what that looks like in verse 3, saying, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but rather in humility value others above yourselves. 
And it gives a contrast between the life of generosity that Jesus lived and what our lives look like when we don't know God. Between ambition and humility, between valuing ourselves first and valuing others first, because that's what Jesus did. And that means practically that we can become people who live for others, not for ourselves. We make ourselves less so that others can be lifted up. And we live that life of radical generosity by looking to God's generosity for us first. Verse 8 tells us that Jesus humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. And God expressed the greatest generosity of all when he sent his son Jesus to die in our place, taking our punishment for our sin. What Paul is showing us is that as followers of Jesus, our response should be to demonstrate love for God and for others by generosity because we've received that first. Freely you have received, so freely give. God gave everything for us through Jesus, so we give everything that we have. Our time, our lives, our ambition, our encouragements, we give everything that we have for other people because Jesus gave everything he had for us. Because true generosity isn't about what you give, it's about how you live. So what's that mean for us? How do you reconcile that calling to this kind of quite bizarre sounding ideal? Well, the thing is with generosity, when you hear about it, it's going to go one of two ways. Either it's going to bounce off you because you think you're doing enough, or you're going to feel guilty because you know you're not doing enough. Some of you are going to be sat there thinking, how can I do more? How can I be better? But I want to suggest to you that generosity isn't about doing more. It isn't about being better. You're not more generous because you're busier, you give more, you do more stuff. You're truly generous when you respond to God's calling on your life to be generous. When you connect with a generous God, then we can be generous with our time and lives. It's a lifestyle born out of a relationship with God and lived out only by following the example of Jesus. Wherever you're at in terms of generosity, we're all called in the same direction. We're all called to live lives of servant generosity. Don't know why I'm pointing over there. Paul doesn't talk about money. Paul doesn't talk about money. He doesn't talk about giving more or doing stuff. He talks about your heart. 2 Corinthians 9.7 says, Each of you must decide in your heart what to give. And don't give reluctantly or in response to pressure. For God loves a person who gives cheerfully. And ultimately, you have to be the one to decide to walk in this generosity. You have to make that decision in your heart. So let me ask you, where is your heart at? Do you understand what you've received from God? The depth of his love for you and how much he's given to you? Because as you come to a deeper understanding of God's graciousness to you, that empowers you to live, a, empowers you to develop a, a more generous heart. It lets you go deeper into this life of generosity that you're called to. So for some of you, that might mean that you need to pray for a fresh revelation of what God has done for you, whether that's for the first time or the hundredth time. 
Generosity starts in your heart and it comes out of a relationship with a generous God. So that might mean praying and letting God in again. Another thing it might mean is when we know we're not being generous, taking the pressure off yourself, taking the the guilt off yourself, because it's really easy to feel guilty or condemned when we talk about this stuff. Often we know the good we should do, but we don't do it. But because generosity isn't about what we give, it's about how we live. I'm going to be honest with you. This has been a real issue for me. I beat myself up because I often don't think I'm doing enough. And maybe you're a bit like me. You can look around at all the different needs you see, and it can kind of paralyze you. You feel like, how am I going to sort all this out? Or you can look at what other people are doing, and you think, well, I don't measure up, so what's the point? Or you look at what God has blessed you with, and it seems like not a lot. You think, well, what's the point? There's no way God can use this. But it's really easy to feel condemned, really easy to feel guilty and get yourself into a rut where you say, well, what's the point? Why bother? But one thing that Paul shows us is because generosity comes out of a relationship, God doesn't need your generosity. He never has. He never will for anything at all. God doesn't need helpers. He isn't interested in you doing more stuff. God is calling you to be generous with what he's blessed you with and to follow the example of Jesus. But he isn't looking for people to supply his needs because he's God. He's not short on money or talent or time. God never commanded you to save the world. He calls you to be generous with what he's blessed you with to follow him and know him as he saves the world through Jesus Christ. So practically speaking, that might mean that you make a a conscious decision to be more generous, to respond to God's calling on your life, to pray and say, God, what have you blessed me with? And pray about how you could use it. It might mean that you look at your friends or your family or this church and say, where can I be more generous? It's going to be different for each of you. Because each of you has been blessed in a different way. But what can you do this week? What can you do in the next seven days? How can you walk deeper into this life of generosity that God is calling you into? Maybe you speak to that person in the supermarket who's having a bad day. Maybe you call someone up out the blue and encourage them. Maybe you have a chat to that homeless person outside Tesco. Maybe you have someone round or cook them a meal. Maybe, I don't know, it's going to look different for each of you. Each of you are called to walk these lives of generosity, but how you walk that out is going to be different. You might think it's only a small thing, but those small things in God's kingdom will have a huge impact. All we have to do is take a first step. Because as a church and a community, we're called in the same direction. And just like the early church who were united in their generosity, we are called to get there together. It isn't about doing more. It isn't about giving more. It's about doing what Paul said to the church in Philippi. Doing nothing out of selfish ambition. Valuing others above yourself. And having the same mindset as Jesus. Because generosity isn't about what we give. It's about how we choose to live.
So imagine what that could look like for us. If we were obedient to that call as a church, as families, as individuals, we would see heaven come crashing down on this estate and this city. We would see an end to poverty, an end to people going without the very basic things that they need because we use what God has blessed us with to be a blessing to other people. We would see lives transformed, utterly ruined in the best possible way by the love of God and people would see the love of God by the love we have for them. By valuing others above ourselves, by having the same mindset as Jesus, we have an opportunity to do something that will change this generation. All you have to do is take a step in that direction and trust God with the rest. And each of us, each of you has a stake to play in that. We're, in it, we're a church, but we're also individuals, families. And if we don't do it, no one else will. Each of us is called into this life of generosity. And if we're obedient to that, we can see this world transformed. Let's pray. Father God, thank you for who you are. Thank you for your word. And thank you for your calling on our lives to generosity. Father, I, hope, I pray that you would help each of us recognize what you've blessed us with. I pray that you would convict us, Father, of where we are. Uh, where we can be generous and where you're calling us to be. I pray that you'd set us free from guilt and uh, false lies that we speak over ourselves about how we're not performing, Father. But help us realize it all comes out of a relationship with you. Bring us back to you in Jesus' name. Amen.